You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 5720 Ridge Avenue. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. The idea of Advent is that as we tell this story again, we live it too. Whether all of this is familiar or not, This story is new in us. We need Jesus to be born in us today. We're not just remembering something, we're living it together. I want to offer a few thoughts now um, about how, how what happened for Mary can happen in us. So let's read some more of the details from Scripture. Can someone read for us nice and loud? Thank you, Michael. That was Luke 1. Do not be afraid, the angel said. Mary was suddenly in the presence of a heavenly being who was bringing this message from God to her. Different translations say that she was greatly troubled or confused, disturbed, and this one was my personal favorite, thoroughly shaken. It was an awe-inspiring encounter. Before she even knew what this was all about, she was afraid. Likely, she felt unworthy at the angel's greeting. She was a poor, humble teenager, like Erica said. And here was this messenger from God saying that she was the favored one on whom God was honoring. Both Joseph and Zechariah had similar encounters with an angel that had the same message, do not be afraid. Zechariah was the father of John the Baptizer, who we talked about last week, who was visited by an angel who told him that his prayers had been answered and his wife Elizabeth would have a son. And then Joseph was visited by an angel in his dream where the angel told him the same thing, do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife and you will have a son that you are to name Jesus. The same phrase, do not be afraid, or some variation of that is repeated many times in scripture. Fear not, do not be afraid, do not fear. So it got me thinking about fear. I think fear is a common human emotion, especially in the presence of something greater than yourself. It's triggered when we feel vulnerable or threatened. Not many of us have had encounters with angels at least that we know of, but we do encounter powers and forces much bigger than ourselves every day. We receive messages, not from God through angels, but through political and economic and societal influences all the time. They try to tell us who we are, who we should be, what we should do, what our purpose is, Essentially, all of that comes at us in the form of impossible demands. I think we live in a society of impossible demands. At every turn, there are demands on our time and our purpose, on our performance, on our loves. I know I'm straying away from Mary for a minute, um, and we will get back to her, but I'm thinking about these impossible demands 
for example, to have careers that are meaningful, where we are effective in making the world a better place. The, cell, the leaders of our cell movement got together this past week for a training where we were, that was the topic, is what's our alternative to work-life balance? Where does our meaning come from? Does it come through our employment, the work that we do? And if it comes from God, then what does that mean for the work that we do? Um, not everyone can have that kind of a job that feels meaningful. Some of us are just trying to get any job, much less one that makes us feel fulfilled and purposeful. There are um, impossible demands on our appearance to be put together, attractive, able-bodied. Some of us are just trying to get out of bed in the morning or manage chronic illness, much less meet arbitrary or idealized standards of beauty. There are impossible demands on our relationships where we come to expect that another person will meet all of our needs, or like trying to date in the midst of rape culture, or on motherhood, where you're shamed for the way that you parent, or you're shamed for not having children. There are ever-present demands uh, on keeping up with information and accessibility via our cell phones. It's a society of impossible demands. I'm sure you could add more based on your experiences. So we get a lot of messages about who we are or who we should be and what we should do. And it's hard to resist all of those impossible demands. Being emotionally healthy and pretty self-aware doesn't stop those messages coming from, from bombarding us. And without realizing, we, realizing it, we can end up absorbing the shaming messages when we don't meet all of these impossible demands. I think that shame is everywhere in our culture, and yet we never talk about it. Shame has to do with a sense of being. As compared to guilt, feeling guilt for um, specific behaviors, it's a sense of being that we instinctively keep hidden. It keeps us separate from others, and it's a barrier to connection and belonging. It can lead to hopelessness and despair, especially when we don't even understand it. Impossible demands and shaming messages are in the air that we breathe. A sense of shame can be so unbearable that we go to great lengths to, for temporary relief or to keep from being seen. If you don't know what I'm talking about yet, um, just think about any part of yourself or your life that you want to stay hidden, to not be seen. That's usually an indication of shame. But we're not particularly conscious about it because, like I said, it's in the air that we breathe. We might just have this general sense of dis-ease or unrest or anxiety or avoidance. I bring all of this up because after a professional development training that I went to on shame, it's been something that I've been working with. The presenter said something about how public speaking can trigger your shame. 
And it was like this light bulb went on for me. After two years of being a pastor here and getting up in front, I still struggle to speak publicly. And I've been talking about this with the other pastors and even some some of you and reading books. (laughs) And I thought for a while that it was just about the newness of this role, that I would get better with practice, which of course is true for any public speaker or presenter. But I realize it's not just about stage fright or nerves or skill even, because I've actually been in front of people for my whole life. I was in every theater or choir performance that I could get into from elementary school through college. You can ask my parents, they are here tonight. (laughs) Even last night when I was with my family and we were celebrating my birthday, uh, we were remembering the speech meets that I was in all through grade school. If you don't know what that is, it's it's kind of like, um, it's a regional competition where you memorize and perform poetry or speeches. And I loved doing it. But of course, none of that makes me a good speaker, necessarily. But I've been in front of people a lot. Public speaking as a pastor, though, is completely different. And as this presenter talked about shame, I realized that this is my struggle. Getting up here as a pastor is personal. I'm not just memorizing a speech or becoming a character or putting on a show. I'm listening to God and I'm listening to you and getting up here as me. It's vulnerable and humbling. And sometimes I do just want to hide. But Mary reminds me that God's message is for, is so much bigger and more powerful than all of the worldly messages that I receive. So let's name it for each other, because I need it as much as anyone else. So first of all, fear not, Mary. You are seen and known by God. This message is for you. You aren't favored because you're worthy and exalted. You are favored because the Lord is with you. You are favored because you're lowly and humble, and God is choosing to exalt you to reveal who God is. God is choosing you to carry and birth God's message of love to the world. So this is not just for Mary. It's a clear message from Jesus to his disciples and to all those who believe. We are God's messengers, as though God was making his appeal through us. We are to live a life of love that calls people to reconcile to God. We are to carry and to birth the love of God in our bodies, as tangibly as Mary carried and gave birth to this baby. And in order to do this, we must resist the messages of the world. We need to pay attention to our fear and our shame and examine what's going on. Even when we are strangers to ourselves, we are not strangers to God. We are seen and known, all of the deepest parts of us, 
And I was reminded of that at this training when God revealed this to me. It was like I didn't even know what I needed, and God provided it. The message of God through Jesus is that all of the parts of our humanity are redeemable. God came into the fullness of our humanity, even to the point of experiencing our estrangedness from God. He took that on so that he could overcome all that separates us from God and ourselves and make a way for us to be reconciled. So we do not need to be afraid to be seen and known by God, all the deepest parts of us. We don't really know about the shame that Mary felt herself, but we do know that she lived in this honor-shame culture of first-century Palestine, and being unmarried and pregnant in a shaming culture could have led to death by stoning. Women were considered potential sources of shame on their whole family. Yet with this news of pregnancy, Mary worshipped God in praise. This lowly, vulnerable child, she was only a teen, sang of God's faithfulness and rejoiced at the great thing that God was doing in her and in the world. And she undoubtedly knew of the shaming that would come. But her eyes were on God and what God was doing. We may not understand our shame or know what to do with it, but a good first step is to let ourselves be lowly and vulnerable and exposed to God in worship. That's a safe place to be seen. Not for who we think we should be, but for who we are now. We can cry out with the depths of who we are to a God who saves. That's what Mary did with rejoicing. Later in Luke chapter 1, her song is recorded for us that Erica read to us, the Magnificat. She sings this song of praise that starts with her joy at being seen and known by God. Can someone read it out for us? But she doesn't stop there. Her eyes are on God. Mary knows that this is so much more than what's happening for her. She knew the prophecies about the Messiah, the one who saves, who's bringing a great reversal of the way things have been. And her joy and her hope is that this revolution that's beginning, even in the way that God exalted her and gave her a place in this great work of salvation. And she sings about how God will do this through the Messiah. Can someone read the rest of that for us? Thank you, Lillian. Beautiful. This rejoicing that began with Mary's experience moves out into the world with God as a freedom song of revolution about the way that God would keep God's promises from generation to generation. Her participation in this story of redemption was not just for her alone. It was about being a part of this movement of God in the world. Similarly, our spiritual development is not just an individual thing. Our faith is one that's embodied, 
and goes out into the world to be nurtured and to grow into its fullness. A friend was telling me this week about how disarming it was to really be seen and listened to. That kind of relating is revolutionary. It helps people to experience that, this reality from God. But it's not just um, revolutionary for the person who is seen and heard, but in the world. Because as we embody the love that we ourselves receive from God, we give birth to a movement of Jesus followers who embody it together. That's, that is who we are as the church. Jesus is born right into our strangeness. He knows what it is to be the stranger, and we're not left alone in our fear and our shame. God is with us. So we can be with other people. We can welcome the stranger in their mess, in their shame, in their fear. We welcome the stranger in others as we ourselves have been welcomed. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you that you do see us and know us, and you've entered into all of our humanity to reconcile us with God. Help us to be a people who live that reconciliation in the world, who welcome the stranger and extend your hospitality to all those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.